I feel like I should record something to put at the beginning of this to say that this episode uh, of our podcast contains major spoilers for both No Time to Die and Halloween Kills. So proceed with caution. Sounds like you just did it. No, I can just move that to the beginning. Yeah. The movies. The movies. You know, I don't have anything to say about any of the movies we saw. <laughs> okay. I don't have any anything to add, so I hope cool. you've got some good commentary. I've got some things to get off my chest. Of course, I'm late on all of them. I'm really late on Bond. The Halloween Kills moment is just about over. Uh, Dune is kind of happening, so yeah, I mean... Dune is happening. Three zeitgeisty things, but two of them are pretty much past the shelf date. But, uh, yeah... All right. Well, I guess since my time is limited, I should launch into my yeah. my business. So you don't. There's the thing is, if you don't, you don't care. But let me just get it on the record because mm-hmm. I do have thoughts about this Bond. I'm not a Bond guy overall. I have tried many times to say, all right, I am going to watch all the Bond movies. Back to the back to Doctor No, Sean Connery. They're so boring. They're so like, you know, they're charming. A couple of them, the first one's not bad. And then I get to like Thunderball and I'm just, I just get bored. They're slow. Mm-hmm. They're old. And I'm just not into the whole kind of like, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of an Anglophile. So all the, the stuffy British stuff is in whatever, but like espionage is not really my, my genre. So all that to say, I have really been into the Craig Bonds because I feel like it was a new door open to mm-hmm. like, hop on i like that they're a little more, slightly more grounded and serious i like that but the thing i like most about it is that craig's take on the character is kind of straddling being a cold-blooded killer and being an actual human being mm-hmm. and that it gives him most so I, I assume you've seen one or two of them you've seen casino royale the first i'm sure one? i did what yeah. is that 20 years ago now yes something like it 17 years i think yeah and so that's the one, you know, it's based on, I think, the first Bond novel by Ian Fleming. And essentially, he, major spoiler for an old story in an old movie, he falls in love with uh, Vespa Green, uh, Ava Green plays Vespa, uh, what's her name? I forgot her last name. But, and she um, dies, essentially. And she betrays him and then dies. And so he's got the heartbreak, but he's also got the betrayal. And that's how he becomes this stone cold killer. And then the interesting thing about these current ones, whereas the old ones were kind of episode of the year, kind of, you know, whatever, you could take them and leave them. There was very little continuity. They this, this series has had continuity. And so there was this stuff, uh, there were ramifications into the next films. And then they've introduced this other woman, uh, Madeline Swan, um, who has, not Madeline, is that her name? Yeah, Madeline Swan, who is his love and blah, 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 blah. So there's the humanity of Bond that's explored, which could have been really cheesy and bad and ruined everything. But I think with an actor like Craig, it's actually infused this series with life. And I think that this last one is really good. I think it's a really good wrap up. Do you want to know a huge major spoiler for the Bond series? Was it the time to die or no? He found the time. Oh, he found the time to die? <laughs> yes. So uh, I guess we have to put a warning on this because a lot of people probably haven't caught up with that movie yet. Um, the three people that might listen to this. So he dies. He sacrifices himself. Well, he kind of ends up in a situation where he can't really, he's like toast. And it's an interesting idea to take a kind of ubiquitous, you know, pop culture character who will obviously be back 
but to to end right. this run with with his demise i don't think anybody saw it coming and it probably should have been awful but i i was kind of into it well now i can't see it <laughs> did, I, did i ruin it for you, you ruined it i was gonna go uh how they get there is really interesting he ends up with like he has a while we're piling up the spoilers he finds out he has a daughter And he finally uh, has a chance at happiness with all of the major villains being dispatched and he's about to escape. And then of course everything has to go South and he has to pay this major price to uh, so that they can be safe. And I thought that was a really weird and interesting direction to go. And it probably would have been laughable if it just, if I hadn't been on the journey with this character. I'm glad you were. I think I, I thought it, I think it worked. I thought it was an interesting, in a, in a time when a lot of the reboots that go for the more serious tone or try to give it more lore or try to whatever ground it, I feel like it usually backfires. Or the Star, the spectacularly disappointing uh, Star Wars trilogy that wasn't planned out. It's interesting to see a reboot with some world building and continuity that actually, for me, paid off. So, you don't need to see it now, anybody, because I just spoiled it, but... Uh, Whatever. There it is. Great. Yeah. Super good, right? Um, All right. Well, I'll talk about Halloween Kills. Yeah, okay. Since I don't have any commentary for that one. Okay. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um. So Halloween Kills is a movie I watched at home. That's about all I have to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um. It is a slasher film. <laughs> it, it's trying to be part of the Halloween universe, part of the Halloween franchise. Still... Starring yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis and James Jude Courtney, but then also Judy Greer and Andy, uh, Matich- Andy Matichak and Will Patton, Anthony Michael Hall, Thomas Mann. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, so much is happening in this. I Too felt much. like, what was the one letterbox review that was going around on Twitter? Is that like everything was happening and nothing was happening? Like sure, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't get my hands on a story. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis spends most of the movie laid up in a hospital still wounded from the previous installment um there's madcap mobbery in the hospital um michael continues to terrorize friends new and old and did we come to any conclusion in the end no no we did have big and little john though yes if there's one idea that this movie brought to the table, it was the guys who flipped the Myers house. <laughs> I kind of dug that, but I, I didn't I, think they did anything interesting with it, but it was well, fun. It was like if aliens took that idea <laughs> right. and tried to do something with it. What is happening <laughs> right. with these two? Like you say, it's, a, John, good, it's a good idea. Why do they call themselves Big John and Little John? Right. You would think that if there was a couple where they're both named John, maybe that's like a little nickname among their friends when they're referring to one or the other, but not to their faces. And, and not, when they're in peril. <laughs> and not one to each other. Right. Because if I'm John and you're John, then you're John to me, you right. know. Uh, who else are you talking to? Right. Not yourself, unless yeah. you're insane. But I think sometimes maybe they did speak in third person, actually. But like we got... Big John, who was the smaller one, and he's like living a, I don't know, a Lebowski sort of life. I don't. That's just what yeah. came to my mind. Yeah. And then 
Little John, who is bigger, is like Stuart from Mad TV. Yeah, Michael McDonald of Mad <laughs> yeah. TV fame. Yeah. And I, I felt like the scenes with them were maybe the only interesting scenes, mm-hmm. but they were so bizarre. Yeah. That I that I couldn't look away. Why is everybody like just like a piece of shit? Like <laughs> those yeah. kids who like came to their door, like right. little jerkheads. Yeah. Everybody in the movies like that. It's like ugh. Well, it's, it's it's directed by David Gordon Green and written by him and Danny McBride, and I feel like it feels like because you know they did Eastbound and Down and Righteous Gemstones, so it has that kind of energy, but it's not full on comedy, so it ends up just being. The characterization is really weird. Yeah. And like Jamie Lee Curtis is making the rounds and, and really any movie that she's in and any movie that anybody makes anymore, it's about trauma, right? It's about trauma. It's a metaphor for trauma. Well, no, sometimes it's just movies. Like I think that Stephen King's work is a, are, are mostly metaphors for trauma. When I think about the way the the city mm-hmm. and the space crushes and oppresses people, I, I don't see that played out in in this i don't see the house being much of a character even though it keeps on turning up yeah i don't yeah. see that this this is a town traumatized move right. move right right if you don't want to be terrorized every halloween well and that gets into the other problem this movie has and that is that famously the point of the whole point of this particular reboot there's been three or four reboots of halloween is that they're going to cast off everything except the original Halloween. This is a sequel to the original Halloween. So we're going to all the franchise stuff about Michael being her sister, her brother and about the satanic cult and the Druids and Paul Rudd and all the crazy stuff from that franchise is out the window. So this is just what about a sequel 40 years later in the same town. And yet they're just bringing in legacy actors and yeah. cameos and people from the other sequels. And Anthony Michael Hall is is playing the same character as Paul Rudd. I don't know if you knew that, mm-hmm. uh, which is insane. But um, and so it just feels like it's bogged down by lore when the whole point is supposed to be. What if we just picked up the story and did something new? I I don't get it. The whole thing felt so botched. I didn't love the 2018, but it was okay. It had to. Li- it, it did the best of capturing some of that feeling of the original. Um, this one is just a hot mess. Yeah, I don't have much to say about it at all. How can you have Judy Greer in a movie and waste her this mercilessly? Mm-hmm. She's she's I don't a real understand. talent. Yeah, she has so much great. charisma. I love to see her anytime I can, but what was she doing here and she's a character set up in the first one you know and well there's too much happening what if it were only about their family and the three generations and we're just following them that could have been a whole movie unto itself but there's all these extra characters and vigilantes and people at a costume party and the doctor and the nurse and oh and And, big john and little john they can stay but everybody else (laughs) And Judy Greer's end, as long as we're tossing out spoilers, Halloween kills, you know, mm-hmm. what is going on with her just kind of, it's almost just as if, well, we need something, it was it supposed to feel inevitable that she goes inside the Myers house, walks upstairs to where the climax of the first movie took place, and then gets killed. Why? Was, what was, was very, the... Yeah. No payoff or consequence. There was no meaning to it. She didn't, it wasn't ironic. No. It was just like this, I guess we'll do this now. I think in general, 
to step back even beyond this franchise, we I think we got to stop with the trilogy beats mm-hmm. because the middle movie is always going to be something like this. This is a particularly, I think, uh, mismanaged one, but like you have to try and do something interesting, but you can't do anything final. So you end up with stuff like this. Yeah, and it would so be like if I tried to write a movie. <laughs> maybe, perhaps. There was supposed to be some commentary, I suppose, with a mob that says evil dies tonight and then ends up to you know, proceeds to chase the wrong guy. Right. But that didn't that's not a Halloween theme. Like that what well, was just just happened. What and, was and the and meaning also, of that? What was the meaning of that? And why bring back the kids she was babysitting in the original and these legacy characters if they're going to be assholes who screw everything up and then just die. Right. I don't like there was no, yeah, there's there no, this is a really weird case of a nostalgia movie that doesn't, it's like precious about bringing these elements together and then just completely mushes them into a ball of bloody pulp and doesn't know what to do with them. Yeah. What human being who was the survivor of a vicious serial killer 40 years earlier goes to like an, a party right. at a bar in their yeah. honor to 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 be it was so so weird to like For raise Lori. their hand as their yeah. names are called and kind of take a little bow when the crowd claps right because we're just there just to remind ourselves how lucky we are that he's gone and since that. that and that's again where this just is such a weird reboot idea because if the idea is that all those other films and events didn't happen then it has just been 40 years of people doing normal small town stuff or, you know, going on with their lives. And then all of a sudden this all happens mm-hmm. in the weekend of the, because the, this picks up right after the the 2018 movie. So, but it still, it tries to carry the weight of the whole franchise, even though I, I don't, it's really weird. So they, they have a lot of, of work to do on the third, although I don't think there'll be any expectations for it to be. Oh, I don't want to see it. I know. David Gordon Green is a very interesting director in terms of being all over the map. Yeah, you know, he came He came on the scene with, uh, was it George Washington? And he's like, he's made some very serious, interesting dramas and art movies. And then he starts doing comedy with, uh, it's just weird. He made uh, Pineapple Express, which I think is mm. pretty good, pretty good comedy. Anyway, well, I don't have an issue with the direction. Yeah, it's well made. I liked when she got clotheslined in the stairs. That piece of <laughs> yes, he shared that, and then I enjoyed it very much when I paid attention for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, real, real waste of um, Curtis as well. Oh yeah, well, like why was she even in it? Yeah. Well. You you you've watched some of this franchise stuff, right? So you've seen Halloween two, the early ones. I I know I watched in, through in the original Halloween two. Laurie is in the hospital from the events right. of the first Halloween, right? So it's like in that sense, it's like okay, here's a bone, here's a thing that's a but yeah, why? But that was kind of ominous. That hospital almost seemed right. closed when she was in it overnight. Yeah, there there there's there was a fear factor in it. This right. hospital, fully populated, <laughs> well lit, County. the whole town has come right. <laughs> to be in the hospital. Evil dies tonight. Right. The speech that, and it's not Curtis's fault, obviously, but the speech that she's giving 
to the officer what's his face for no reason at the end of the movie that's intercut with all the events mm-hmm. you know that's supposed to be like she's saying dumb stuff and it, it's playing it like it's this very meaningful it, this is a bad movie folks yeah existential slasher blather yeah, yeah. the whole thing about halloween is that it's terror comes to the suburbs, right? That was like the innovation of that movie. Before that, most horror movies were like a monster in a castle or something. Mm-hmm. So here, the this killer is in your neighborhood and he's coming. Any amount of lore or legacy or whatever that you pile on top of that is just going to diminish it. Yeah, I can't... I, I think that Halloween is probably my least favorite mm-hmm. franchise of the big ones. I, I think that Friday the 13th has a more compelling mythology. Same mm-hmm. with Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Friday the 13th, I remember, it's been a while now since I watched it, but I remember them being wildly uneven, but all very like yes, creative and crazy. Right. And I feel like Freddy kind of gets old quick, but he's at least, at least you know what, you, you know what you're doing there. Mm-hmm. You know what you're getting into. I do like the first Halloween in terms of mood and filmmaking. I think it's a very interesting, and when you when you try, you have to try really hard from from our perspective now. But when you think about how it must have played, mm-hmm. I, I guess I appreciate it. But yeah, it doesn't. It has not. It's not an interesting franchise to no. to follow up on. All right, uh, I'm running out of time. So Dune. I guess I get to talk about Dune. I have no. Uh, history with Dune. I have not read it. I think I might have tried to watch the David Lynch 1984 Dune in my youth and gave up on it or something. So my only uh, interest in this, my primary interest in this, besides interesting cast, was Denis Villeneuve uh, being a very, very interesting director and the promise of what he would do with something like this. So this is... um, a 2021 uh, science fiction epic film directed by Denis Villeneuve, written by him and John Spates and Eric Roth. Stars Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Zendaya, briefly, and Oscar Isaac, Stellan Skarsgård. I'm not going to lay out the story because it's just too huge. There's, It's a space opera epic thing with all these different civilizations or... or, or uh, you know, all these different houses that are at war with each other. It's a big book that many people have called unfilmable. Uh, Lynch tried. He'd made no attempt to make it um, followable. He made no attempt to make it accessible. So his version is very dense and just has fun with with style and imagery. Um, I should probably watch it again because a lot of people still appreciate it very much. This one, I think the writers have made an attempt to simplify it and make it accessible and followable i don't know that they made it interesting especially to you know uh, unfriendly audiences but uh and then i think it's pretty well cast so you have oscar isaac as the 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 duke of the house of trades and and uh, i think it's pretty funny that characters in this have names like uh baron vladimir harkonnen and thurfir hawat and duncan idaho and then there's paul Paul. timothy chalamet is (laughs) paul and he is a young man, the heir to House Atreides. His mother is Rebecca Ferguson as Lady Jessica. So they get like normal American <laughs> small town names. Right. Paul and Jessica. Sir Aiden. <laughs> yeah. Lady Madison. 
And essentially, their house, the emperor of this, I thought I wasn't going to do this, so whatever. They get put They get put in charge of this planet, this desert planet that has spice on it, but there's already indigenous people on that planet, so they have to deal with them. And there was a particularly harsh house in charge of that planet, that planet prior. And then there's all sorts of conflict in those three directions between those two houses and the, the planet. Um, and there's some indication that Timothy Chalamet may or may not be destined as some kind of space messiah to lead all of them to some kind of new uh, joyous reality if they will if they will have him. I don't know. I liked watching the movie. I got to see it in a theater. It was big and Villeneuve is really, really gifted at making this kind of spectacle. I thought that it looked good. I like the actors. I can't say that like they all had enough to do. Like I was very excited to see Javier Bardem. Like he kind of at a moment when I was starting to lose interest, he popped in and I was like, Oh, I always, always good to see him, but he had very little to do and he was gone too quickly. And he comes back at the end a little bit. Also, the thing to know is that when you go see this film, which is marketed as Dune, the title comes up and it is Dune part one. <laughs> so this is an extremely not complete story that ends, you know, I, I, to be honest, I felt like this movie was really, ha- it kept my interest and it was exciting until the third act when they end up oh in the gosh. desert. And I kind of, I had to struggle to keep interested because he couldn't keep doing visually inventive things because they were in the desert. But uh, anyway, I, I liked it, but I understand why it's not going to be a smash. I do hope it's successful enough that he gets to make the other parts. But uh, oh, the box office looks great. Good. They're doing they're doing great business. I feel like Dune is the new hope of the film mm-hmm. industry. Oh, good. That they were able to actually open a movie and have it mm-hmm. be successful together, um, streaming and in theaters. Good to hear. What's your yeah, I mean this this movie. movie isn't for me. This isn't a movie I would normally go to. Um, the crafts are great, and I could say I don't understand the story, but I do understand it. I, it's not like I was lost. Um, but I, it all seems so random to me from a literary standpoint. I think I might enjoy reading the book to to understand what's going on with the plot a little bit more, and maybe what some of the metaphor and meaning is. Because um, I obviously there's a lot of. Uh, a lot of layers about colonization and all, all of that stuff going on here, especially when it was written. But um, I like the cast. It's a it's a charismatic cast. Yeah. And visuals are good. I, I just feel like I didn't know that it was supposed to be one of two either until I saw that part one. Mm-hmm. And my heart sank a little bit when I saw that because I thought, oh, God, I hate going to these. Like, I wouldn't have gone right. if I would have known. <laughs> like, I don't commit to these things where I need right. to go what to another one. What it took to get you to this one. And right, right. I, it was just kind of like, well, people yeah. have been talking about this one forever and there's not mm-hmm. really much else out. And I'll, fine, fine. <laughs> I'll go see Dune. Part fine. one. Yeah. And I felt, I felt a little bit deceived. I don't know. Anyway. But because of that, because I'm going in and out of sleep and because it's so long, so long, I don't like long movies, even if they're good. And so I'm just like looking for screenplay hints like, OK, what act are we in? All right. What where, what false crisis? What true crisis? Where are we at in this trajectory? Only to realize in that like final battle he has with that guy, mm-hmm. I'm like looking at the clock and I'm thinking this has to be the last thing that happens. Right, right. But this yeah. is a very small thing. 
this right. this little hand to hand combat thing to me isn't that important except that he's kind of living into being murderous i guess right um and i was like His okay i guess everything happens has to happen in the next one i guess i mean structure is a problem yeah and i'm glad they have the elbow room and they didn't try to cram it into one movie because what an insane no. movie that would have been to have that i guess that invasion and betrayal and everything would have had to be you know the first third of the movie mm-hmm. to fit in everything so i'm glad they did but it doesn't do them any favors this is not a great ending no and it doesn't really leave me electrified where i think yeah. okay now what's going to happen i really want to show up right i felt that way a little bit recently like in a quiet place too where obviously there was for its own trajectory a big battle you know a big mm-hmm. thing to accomplish but it also left them right there. And we know that there's another layer of stuff that has to get taken care of. Mm-hmm. And that'll be in the third movie. But Is I just felt like this was just kept trilogy going. Trilogy over. Yeah. yeah. And I frankly, oh, okay. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, I, Chalamet's good. He's getting mm-hmm. some praise he's... for this performance. And I think he, especially with what he's asked to carry and be in this movie, I think he's excellent. But and Rebecca Ferguson too, although her character is kind of a weepy mess. I I thought that she you know, she's compelling. I could watch her do just about anything. But I the I for some reason there's something. It's just in movies, especially especially these kind of epic movies. The idea of just desert cultures and science fiction is so boring to me. I was so much more interested when we had all the politics mm-hmm. and the technology of those other houses. Like, I find that more compelling. And I guess there are other, you know, people and, and locations that are going to be involved in the story. So I'll be interested to see where it goes. But I don't know. It, to me, it was a real letdown. And I there, if you could, like, chart my interest, it would just really, uh, there'd be a big valley at the end there. Yeah. Um. All right. That's it. Uh, any other thoughts, Dan? None. It's 401, 701. You gotta oh, yeah. go. I do, but uh, always a pleasure. I uh, this week is French Dispatch and uh, Last Night in Soho. Oh well, I'm looking forward to seeing both of those. I'm not sure I'm gonna like French Dispatch. It's one of those like too many stars. Yeah, it's got a lot going on. But I felt that way about uh, Grand Budapest, and I ended up enjoying that. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Oh, I know what else I wanted to tell you. Did you know that uh, No Time to Die is actually longer than Dune? What? But it's better. I think it's better. Well, I'm sure it is. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, stream it someday. If it's on, if it's on cable and you want no, to watch it. I'm never going to watch A never, dad movie. I won't ever watch it. Not <laughs> okay. ever. For any reason. All right. Oh, I guess I have to stop this and get our recordings. Yeah. Uh, okay, goodbye. This was a podcast that you listened to. Farewell. Farewell.